Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. Just because a relationship ends, it doesn't mean it's not worth having. Sarah Lenoski. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 29. Hello, I'm G. And I'm M. And today we are going to be talking about breaking up and making up as a part of our polyamorous relationships. Yes, this is quite an intense episode. And before we get into it, we did want to just give a small little shout out that we were included as a resource for polyamory podcast in a blog by Bronwyn, pronoun she, her. And if you are interested in learning more about polyamory, you should definitely go check out this blog post and we will link to it in the show notes. Yes, we will. And we're very excited that our podcast is just, you know, getting some more recognition and people seem to like us, which, you know, I'm very happy about. Yeah, like it always really warms my heart, like getting these really nice comments and emails and, and everything. It's, it's like, wow, we are reaching people out there. Yes. Even though we are, this is a very specific niche, right? Kinky, nerdy, polyamorous. That's a niche, but you know, people are, people do find us. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, from what I gather, we are a useful resource for people and also people like listening to us, but Rather than keep on talking about how great we are, we should probably get to the uh, the content of the show. Yes. So let's dive in to this deep, deep topic, because, gee, you had proposed a similar-ish topic at some point. Similar-ish. It was, I think my original topic idea was more focused on the feelings after a breakup, and you seem to be focused a little bit more about the breakup itself. Yeah, I think because just logically in my head, that's kind of how, I guess I was thinking, like, if I were going to be going through a thing, maybe talking about the process first, and then talking about the feelings. Okay. But I think both are really important. And I think some of the biggest thing that always comes up as a polyamorous person, of course, is that people think that, oh, breaking up doesn't suck as much when you're polyamorous. That's not true. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's not true. Straight up, sucks just as much as breaking up when you're monogamous. As somebody who has been both the uh, breakup-er and the breakup-e, it still sucks. Yes. So even if, you know, we have other partners, it doesn't make the ending of that specific relationship hurt less. And I took this quote from the More Than Two article on it, and we've also linked this in the show notes, but this is the quote. Even when it's not overtly objectifying, there is often still a sense that polyamorous people must have it easier after a breakup than monogamous people do, because after all, you're not alone, right? And that about sums up how it is when I get this from folks who are not polyamorous asking, you know, if things are easier, if if breakups are easier. It's like, oh, you're not alone. I mean, it's true, you're not alone. And in some sense, like your partners can help you during a breakup. 
But, you know, the fact of the matter is a relationship has ended and each relationship is unique. So, you know, the feelings that come from the ending of that relationship are still are still there, despite the fact that you have other relationships. Yes. And to be honest, like, okay, even if let's just say, yeah, I do have multiple partners. Well, what if uh, multiple breakups happen all at once? You know, like it's it's not just the case in polyamory that you're always going to have one person breaking up with one person. Imagine that you have three partners and two of them, or maybe all three of them decide to break up with you, or maybe you decide I'm done with all of them. That can be very rough, right? Because now you've just like, you've had an individual relationship with all of these people. And now all of those relationships are over at once. So even in polyamory, you can go from having a relationship or multiple relationships to not having any, which can also be very difficult. Yes. And now I haven't personally been in that. Actually, I've kind of been in that rela- in that situation before. It wasn't all at once, but it was within the same summer. I had a breakup with one of my partners. And then shortly after, my other partner, who was my only other partner at the time, broke up with me. So... Yeah, I believe the closest I've had was I had two breakups happen essentially within one month of each other. Oh, yeah. And it's rough. Like, you cherish both of the relationships that you had with each of them. Yeah. So that can be really hard. And I think a lot of people don't think of these scenarios. Like, I think another scenario that came up for me when I was thinking about this episode was that kind of a triangle becoming a V situation, which I hear about a lot in polyamory. So like, what if you and your partner are both in a relationship with someone, but only you want to break up with them and your partner wants to stay with them? Or what if that other person only wants to break up with you, but doesn't want to break up with your partner? So this is a really tricky situation that I've heard of, again, my polyamorous friends who have been through this exact situation. And it's often led to like resentment and jealousy and insecurity. Gee, have you ever been in that situation, like a triangle becoming a V? Uh, no, I've never actually been in a um, in a triad relationship. I have witnessed something like this happening, though. Though it's more of a it was more of a square relationship that turned into a U. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. So you know that leads to some awkward timing issues and topics of conversation. Absolutely. And it can change a lot of the dynamics, especially if those polyamorous people were part of like a kitchen table kind of polyamory. Yeah. I think we talked about that in, in types of polyamory, maybe. Yes, I think so. Polyamorous relationships. Yeah. Like if they're all used to like sitting down and like having, you know, quote unquote, family meals together, or they're used to going to events together. And now it becomes a very like kind of awkward situation. Yeah. I think a lot of the time that can also lead to, like I said, like jealousy and insecurity, because you might be like, Oh, well, what's wrong with me? Like, you still want to be with my partner, but you don't want to be with me anymore. Yeah, I can easily see that happening in a in a triad and a breakup happening in a triad. Yes. And it's one of the tricky situations that you might get into if you enter in a into a triad relationship 
Yes. And like, I have not, well, I have been sort of in a triad, but it was an open triad. So we could have outside partners as well. Mm -hmm. And it was only very briefly like that. And I didn't end up in this situation really. But again, I've, I've heard of this happening a lot. And honestly, a lot of the times when this happens, at least from my experience, when I've seen it happen, it's been a straight or a straight passing couple who opens it up, opens up the relationship at first. And then typically it's a, another woman that ends up being involved in these situations. I I feel like I've heard of this scenario more than with two guys. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and then they realize, oh, wait, we're not actually straight and we are some type of queer. And then they all end up being together instead of being a V or whatever, then they end up being a triangle. And then, oops, uh, one of them becomes more attached to the other one. And then the situation, like, they rush into it too quickly because they were like, oh, they just want to do this for fun. And now that's become super serious. And, or vice versa, they went into it being super serious and then became super, uh, not relaxed is not the word that I want, but like. Casual? Casual. Yeah. I've, I've, I've just heard these situations happen. I feel like that particular situation is probably a little bit more frequent because I feel like a lot of a lot of couples who are venturing into polyamory for the first time decide that they want to have a unicorn essentially for their relationship which I believe we have talked about in the past we did and then we learned that the the masculine term for that is a dragon uh yes I believe I told you that yeah, I can't remember who told who, but I didn't know. And I maybe we Googled it. I don't remember. But that's an awesome term. I just want to say it's just so cool. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me that that sort of situation happens more commonly than other ones. Uh, or more frequently, I guess I should say, if I'm using correct English. Oh, you're... No. there's Correct English is not a thing. All English is good English. You just keep speaking the language how you speak it, G. Okay, I will, am. Good. But I've heard of that happening less in a situation with two traditionally or stereotypically masculine folks with a third in a triangle. And similarly, like, honestly, like, I haven't been exposed to very many triangles where everyone in the triangle is the same gender. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I'm not entirely certain if I've ever actually, like, I've encountered some people who I knew were in a V, but I don't think I've ever encountered, like, a full triad in my own life, at least not that I can recall. I feel like that would be something I would remember. But yeah, I feel like a mixed gender triad is probably more common than an all- Oz monogender triad. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm very curious about like the dynamics of that. But it's also possible that they definitely exist and I'm just not exposed and I haven't been exposed. Uh, I mean, they they probably do exist, but you know, as as you sort of refine the specifications of a relationship, like the more uh, uncommon it's going to be. Right. So it's not just triads, but it's also, which are already a pretty uncommon relationship form. It is monogender triads. Yes, that's a good point. 
So the other thing too here is that I think monogamous people or people who are new to polyamory, oftentimes they ask this question is like, can polyamory itself cause a breakup? And my conclusion is like, in a sense, yes. Like if the partners all involved don't mesh well and they're not communicating their wants and their needs, then yeah. I mean like then opening up the relationship or the polyamory because it induce it has not induces, but it has those extra interpersonal connections, it makes them more vulnerable to these things. So like similar causes of the ending of a relationship happen in monogamy. But because now we have multiple different interpersonal connections, we kind of increase the vulnerability of these things. So in a sense, yes. In another sense, no. Like, I think that, you know, unless the people got involved in polyamory and then they realize, oh, wait, we don't actually want to do this. We don't actually want to be polyamorous or we're not polyamorous. Yeah, the main the main way I can think of of like polyamory itself sort of being the cause of a breakup is if somebody just sort of overloads themselves with relationships. Somebody decides they're going to start dating eight people at the same time. You know, I could see that causing friction. And if you don't have like good time management skills. Yes, and that's exactly it's like. And that's not even so much polyamory as it is, again, those partners weren't having, like, good boundaries or weren't communicating well. And I think we did talk about maybe in building a queer and polyamorous relationships, whatever that episode was. Nope. Totally lost my thought. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come back at some point, probably by the end of the episode. Of course. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, but breakups happen. And what I've been trying to experiment with or think about and keep in mind more is breaking up gracefully. And I've seen this a lot. Or breaking up compassionately. And I'm, I'm hearing more and more of this. And, you know, breakups don't have to be like this awful thing. Like a lot of people think of like, having good relationships or like, how to have a great date but like what if we focus on like how to have an awesome breakup right so that doesn't mean it's gonna like it still can suck for sure breakups tend to have some kind of sadness or grief or loss associated with them but I do think there is a way to break up gracefully and a lot of it has to do with like as long as abuse isn't a factor if you don't totally hate each other and it's safe to do so, try to break up in person and in private, like not like in the middle of a Starbucks, right? Although with COVID, this can also be more difficult (laughs) to do in person and in private. But I think that doing those two things when possible is important. What do you think, G? Do you think like, yes, I want to be broken up with in person? Uh, yes, so far I have avoided the the long distance breakup or breakup by uh, text or phone. Fingers crossed on that. But I do want to add, I think I've expressed this sentiment before on the podcast, is that I'm of the belief that sometimes the best thing you can do in a relationship is to end it. 
and it is something that I have done myself, uh, even though I was still, even though I was still in love with the, uh, with the other person, I got the feeling that they were not happy in their relationship. And I talked to them about it and they confirmed that they were not happy and there wasn't seemingly there was nothing I could do to change that besides ending the relationship and letting them form new relationships. So it is, it, it is a painful thing to do. It's probably one of the more adult things I've done in my life of having that realization and following through on what I thought was the right course of action. But I still think it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And that also sounds like it was done very gracefully. Um, something that gets brought up here is there's an article that I had found on like how to break up with someone compassionately. And they actually recommend quote unquote, ripping off the bandaid. That is the advice is to communicate your feelings about the end of the relationship as soon as you're sure of those feelings. So it sounds like you, you know, you did your data collection and you came to your conclusion. And then with that conclusion, you acted on it which I think is is very admirable. I think it's also really nice at the end of a relationship to acknowledge the good that came from it. Like uh, some advice is to like thank the person and, you know, let them know what fond memories you had. So that's something that if the end of the relationship is like healthy and you can feel safe to do that. Yes, I mean, I feel like just to sort of state this, you know, if it's a if it's the end of abusive relationship, you have no obligation to maintain contact in any way, shape, or form. You do what you need to do to stay safe. Yes, absolutely. So something else that I wanted to talk about here too that a lot of people might not know about or think about really is a cool-down period or a transition period as a breakup. And this is that you do, you say, okay, we're going to break up, but you don't terminate the whole relationship abruptly in that instance, you have a time to cool down and slowly disengage, which I kind of say is like giving your two weeks. And I think this is kind of healthy for all relationships, again, when it's possible. But I have found that it's particularly helpful for DS or other power exchange dynamics, because the relationship itself had a, a power inequality. And because of that, I do think that there is added time that you need to adjust to like not having that power structure anymore, that it goes beyond just a typical dynamic. So I know some DS couples actually write this into their contract if they have a contract. They'll actually say, if we want to terminate this arrangement, we have to have this kind of transitionary period so that way we can get back on equal footing with each other before we actually end the relationship. Um, that, that does make sense, but I will say that I have also found the opposite to be helpful to me. Again, going back to when I broke up with a person who was unhappy in a relationship with me, I was still in love with them and I couldn't, I couldn't be around them without expressing that love in some way. And I needed time away from them to... To can you repeat that to what? Uh, I don't. Um... Yeah, you. I get what you're saying. You for you, abruptly cutting it off 
was the correct choice for you because you still had feelings. So you needed time to disengage. Yes. To yourself. And I, I totally understand that. Uh, thank you for uh, reading my mind. I was having a little trouble uh, putting the, putting those thoughts out. No, and it makes sense. You know, like the transitionary period or the cool down period definitely doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> so no need to, you know, do it. If you really feel like, okay, this has to be like no contact for a while, that's totally fine. I actually have heard of some folks going out to celebrate their breakup. This is kind of fun. Like they do like one last meal together or even throwing a party with close friends. You know, if you really want to do it up on the breakup celebration. Okay, I've I've never heard of this. Yeah, I've been hearing about it more and more lately. I didn't actually pull up an article on it, but... Oh no, most of the things that I'm getting now are just like the one person celebrating. Like, yes, I'm done with that relationship. But the stuff that I've heard of is people being like, well, this is the end of our relationship, so let's go out and like you know celebrate the we had that time together. Yeah, and now we can move on. Yeah, I can see this working in some situations. Uh, obviously, not in all. Sort of, I guess, similar to the idea of having like a wake rather than like just holding a funeral, like a celebration of life. Yeah, celebrate, celebrate what you had together. Not the do not mourn the ending of it. I guess it's sort of that sentiment. Right. Yeah. And I've never celebrated a breakup with the person that I was breaking up with, but it honestly seems really cool. And I'm like, huh, I'm not opposed to that. Maybe I just really like celebrating things anyway, (laughs) you know, and I do want to say too, gee, you had mentioned breaking up, ending the relationship. That's sometimes the best option. Totally. And also, you and your partner or partners may need time and space before friendship can be reformed or maintained. So, like, extend compassion to yourself and your partners as you're going through this, and you might need a lot of time and space. And I think that's reasonable. That is something that a lot of people do naturally need and want after a breakup, whether or not the breakup was amicable. So, Em, I'd like to ask you a question about this. Have you managed to maintain a lot of friendships with former partners? Yes. I do have a substantial amount of, of friendships with former partners. Some of those friendships took five years to come back around. A person that I dated when I was like 14, we ended up becoming friends again when I was in college. Okay. And similarly, some relationships that I started in college, I broke off with them, but then was able to eventually, over time, have a friendship. I have not gone... Well, that's not true. One of my relationships ended, and I stayed totally friends with the person. Immediately. Well, like, I still had my own grieving period, but, like, it wasn't, like, years. It was, like, the next month, and then we were back to being, like, normal friends. Okay. But that type of relationship where that happened, I was in a queer platonic relationship. And because of the style of my queer platonic relationship with this person, because it was not very romantic or sexual or anything like that. And not that I'm not saying that QPRs, queer platonic relationships are like lesser than those things, but because the nature of it, it was easier for us to transition back to friendship. Okay. Yeah. That's just for me personally. Have you maintained a lot of friendships? No, I have not. 
usually, I feel like despite my best effort most of the time, I've really only had like one or two relationships which I felt like were less than amicable endings. But I seem to have difficulty staying friends or staying in contact with my with my former partners. And I try, you know, usually like, I mean, I guess like my sort of like I'll try to like get in touch with like a partner, a former partner, like six months, you know, after we break up. And usually like I don't get a response and I don't want to I don't want to push it, if that makes sense. Yes. So, yeah, for the most part, I've not been able to maintain relationships with my uh, former partners. And maybe that's maybe it's something I'm doing wrong, like since uh, you seem to be do it, do it a lot easier than I do. Well, it really sounds like and it's very interesting as we're talking about the types of breakups that we prefer. You have a very different style of breaking up than me, mm-hmm. at least from the from what we've talked about so far. And it could be that I've had more of those transitionary periods Mm -hmm. or because the relationship just lent itself, the style of relationship lent itself. Yeah. But it's not always instant. Like I said, you know, I, I had some, some, someone reach out to me after five years, you know, and decide they wanted to be friends with me. So time is a big factor for sure. Yeah. And also, so like when we think about breakups, gee, it's not just about us being broken up with or breaking up with, but like, what if your partner gets broken up with? So supporting your partner who's been broken up with is also a really big thing in polyamorous relationships. So if your partner just went through a relationship change or a breakup with another partner, you know, try to support them. That's, this is obviously going to be a tough time. And also remember your emotional boundaries because self-care is needed in these times and you might need time and space as well. But I'm wondering, G, like, how have you approached supporting a partner? Have you witnessed a partner go through a breakup and, like, what helped them? Like, what did you do to help them and support them? So I have gone through a partner breaking up uh, with one of their uh, with one of their partners, and I find, at least in my ex- in my limited experience, since you know, right now this is just kind of a data point of one, the best thing you can do is just be ready to listen like there's probably going to be some processing and you have to be ready to be ready to listen to their listen to them and sort of be a shoulder for them to to lean on emotionally speaking that's sort of what i provide for my partner when they're going through this Uh, have you been through something like this i was just trying to think about it (sighs) trying to think I've been through a lot of people that I was in a little R relationship, like not my anchor partners, not my nesting partners who have been through, like still they're partners of mine, but they're partners that I don't see as much. I've definitely watched many of them go through breakups over the years. And because of, again, the nature of the relationship, I was not a primary support for them. I did obviously check in on them and I let them know that I was there if they wanted to talk about anything. And honestly, that ends up being really good to have like a more distant partner like that because then they're not putting it all on their nesting partners or their anchor partners or their primary partners or whatever it is. They kind of have a a support partner outside of the um, immediate people. Yeah. 
And sometimes you just need someone who's like not as connected. That is true. Sometimes it's good to be able to talk to somebody who has more emotional distance than yourself or your immediate partners. Yes. So I really cannot think of a time where I like really had to directly support someone. Well, you know, I'm sure that you'll be uh, up to the task if it happens in the future, because you're a very lovely person. I'm a very, well, what? Lovely person. Oh, thank you. Sorry, your mic cut out a little bit. (laughs) What did you think I said? I'm a what? What? I'm a lovely person? Is that what you said? Okay. (laughs) I'm a lovely person. You are a lovely person. So are you, G. Oh, G. Well, there is alternatives to breakups, and one of them is the famed taking a break. Yes, I feel like this is the probably the most commonly seen trope of how to sort of of a relationship change that we see in uh, our popular media. Yes. So, oh, do you have an example off the top of your head, G? I feel like I have watched it happen in a couple different romantic comedies but since i don't particularly like romantic comedies i have not you haven't committed the stories to memory right well i also don't have something off the top of my head but a break is not a full breakup and you can negotiate a start and an end point to a break which can be beneficial in some circumstance some circumstances Sometimes this is the need to think things over, take a breather, and then reconvene and talk about, like, what you actually want to do with this relationship. But, warning, this is not recommended if your feelings are really that you are done with the relationship. Like, if you're like, no, I'm done, then don't take a break. You feel me on that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing to try to... It's one thing to do, like, all right, I'm going to take a break to try to figure out what I actually want from relation from this relationship. To is like, I'm taking a break because I just can't handle this shit anymore. Like, that's that's not a conducive mindset to trying to restart the relationship. If that makes sense, yeah. Like, if you feel like I just can't handle the shit anymore and I need a break, that probably means you need you either need to do something to to work on the relationship or you need to break up right fully so at that point you do not want to take a break because i suspect at that point taking a break is just going to lead to a break up further down the line exactly and i am guilty of doing this before i did in fact do a break in a relationship uh it was right when i started college and i was obviously stupid and i I mean, to be honest, I still had immense feelings for the person that I was dating. Okay. But we were monogamous, and I didn't want to be monogamous. I knew that from a while. Like, before college, I knew that I didn't want to be monogamous. And, but I didn't really have the words or the community or, like, the resources or, like, I was, again, I was stupid. So. Yeah, I mean, only in the sense of you hadn't got in contact with that information. Yeah. And so it made me make choices that I think I would have done differently now knowing things because I basically had fallen for another person and I really wanted to do things with that person, but I was monogamous 
Um, so I told my, my partner at the time, I told him, I said, I, I have this other guy that I'm into and I want to be in a relationship with him. And my partner was like, no, I don't think so. But like, if you want to like, you know, take a break and think about it. And I was like, yeah, we should take a break. And then of course that was an excuse for me to like go on dates with this other guy. Mm -hmm. Of course. And, you know, I came back from it and I was like, yeah, I need to break up with you. Like, you're not polyamorous. <laughs> <laughs> so that was terrible, really. I feel terrible about that decision because I should have just, again, ripped off the Band-Aid. I, I feel like in a lot of these situations, just letting things... <sighs> Ripping off the Band-Aid might be painful in the short term, but it's less painful in the long term. Absolutely. Yes. I think the only time that I can say that taking a break is like good is if you really feel like you and your partners just need temporary space to think things over. And I, I say this too, especially with COVID, I'm hearing more and more couples that are, or not even just couples, sorry, I'm using that terminology, but that's a bad terminology. More and more partners who are in different relationship structures who are feeling overwhelmed from COVID for a variety of reasons. And maybe they actually do really need <laughs> some space. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, you know, we, we're living kind of in unprecedented times. And we've never really been in a situation before where we, where a lot of people are just sort of forced to stay with the same people, essentially 24-7. And it's important, I think, for every human being to like be able to get some alone time and get to, you know, socialize in different circles and being sort of trapped, you know, can sort of turn into sort of a being trapped with another person in this kind of quarantine can sort of turn into a pressure cooker situation of like, it's, you know, things that were fine before are now starting to become annoying because they're there all the time. Exactly. So, yeah, I feel like it. it is important, maybe less of a take a break from our relationship, but more of like, we both need some alone time. And we're not planning on ending the relationship, but we both need some time just to relax and recuperate. Definitely. And besides taking a break, there is yet another option that comes with the potential end of a relationship, which is just redefining the relationship. So sometimes we actually don't need a breakup. We might not even want to break up, but maybe we took a break and we came back with new thoughts of what we actually want out of the relationship, or maybe things are kind of naturally changing in that, in a certain direction and the relationship and the dynamic needs to be redefined. And so I think renegotiating some relationships can definitely happen, especially if you feel like, yes, I do want this relationship but I want it in another way. I want to redefine and we're going to renegotiate the relationship. And you can start fresh if you want or start from what you have and then change what no longer works for you. I think actually, I think redefining the relationship happens to most relationships over time. So most people don't verbalize this. They don't actually talk it out. And that can actually lead to a lot of confusion and resentment and miscommunications because especially if like one partner is like redefining it in their head, but the other partner doesn't know, or the other partners don't know, and then suddenly you're behaving differently, 
because of what you've now redefined in your head, you know, it can create a lot of confusion. Yeah. And to uh, reference one of our previous episodes, which was about new relationship energy, one thing which I don't think we actually talked about in that episode, now that I think about it, is people people experience emotions differently. So it is, I think it's actually pretty usual for somebody to exit the new relationship energy stage before the other partner does. And generally, I don't think people talk about it. Just like, oh, you know, it's what used to be, what used to, you know, fill my head with endorphins and all the other happy brain chemicals no longer does so. And it just now we are in sort of a different stage of relationship. And I just don't think people talk about that, that change very much. Yes, absolutely. That's a great point, G. And I don't think we did touch on that before. So that's a really good point. People don't really talk about these things. And I think in order to prevent those possible miscommunications, then actually talking it out when you start to shift your feelings or thinkings about the relationship is really helpful. So everybody ends up on the same page. I think it can be intimidating. And you also don't because like, what happens is people want to have these conversations, but they don't want their partner to think they want to break up with them, which can often happen because if you say to your partner, yeah, I'm thinking that we need to redefine the relationship. Some people might take that as, oh no, they want to break up or they want to end things. I mean, I feel like our culture makes it hard to, there's a lot of cultural baggage with the phrase of we need to talk. Yeah. And, you know, I think that makes it harder for for people to actually talk about their relationships. But I think it's important. And to sort of highlight an example in my life, which I ha- I think I've talked about this before, but my relationship with T has changed quite a bit since we first started off. You know, we started off as a monogamous, kinky couple. And over the years... We've changed to being a polyamorous couple, and then we sort of switched to, instead of being primary partners, to being more sort of secondary partners. You know, we still love each other very much, but, you know, the fact of the matter is our relationship has changed drastically over the years. And that's not a bad thing. It just is where the relationship went. Yeah, and so this can definitely happen you know, naturally. And I think that probably good that you and T were able to talk a lot of it out as well. And again, it just comes down to that communication piece, which continues to sound cliche. You really only get better at communicating by taking risks in communicating. You have to take that first step to talk to your partner or partners. And I think it can be very rewarding, even if it's really awkward in the moment or, or sad in the moment. And as we talk about sadness, if you did experience a breakup, you're going to be processing and grieving a loss. Death isn't the only thing that we grieve. Uh, Very true. I mean, this is, there's all sorts of endings that happen in our lives. And it's leave your home for the first time to uh, either go to college or to your own place that's it is an ending you're no longer going to be able to call like your childhood home home and relationships are much the same way like 
this was this person was an important part of your life. They were your partner. And whether for for good or for ill, that part of your life is now over. And it's okay to to grieve that. Definitely. You also have a great point here, G, but I want you to say it. Yeah, so I want to to kind of emphasize this point because something I've had to grapple with a little bit, which is when a relationship ends, we may want closure. In fact, I'd be surprised if there was a person out there who didn't want closure when a relationship ends. But I want to emphasize that closure is is not guaranteed and also you're not entitled to closure. So again, to use you know my, my life as an example, there was a person who we had decided to break up or to sort of transition to a more long-distance relationship because they were leaving the country. And they said that they would stay in touch and that we would keep on emailing each other. And I emailed them, and I just never heard back. I don't know why I never heard back. Uh, I don't know if it was just it slipped their mind and then they felt guilty about not getting back to me. Maybe they fell in love with somebody new and got swept away in new relationship energy. Maybe they decided to join a Luddite commune and abandon all technology. (laughs) Or maybe, and you know, this is a possibility I thought about, they could have died for some reason and... I don't know what happened, and at this point, I'll probably never know what happened, unless for some reason I get a response after several years, which at this point I consider to be somewhat unlikely. But who knows? M just said that a partner got got in touch with them after several years, so it could be I'll get an email out of the blue in the future, but... At this point, I have resigned myself to the fact that I'll probably never get closure in that relationship. And it's something that I feel like that people should be prepared for, is that while you may want closure, it's not guaranteed and you're not entitled to it. I think, yeah, this is a great point. And I love this point so much. I think it needs to be like definitely like driven home for so many people. I help out with a mental health group and someone that we had there was talking about a really rough breakup and wanting closure and that it was causing a lot of distress. And so, yes, I think so many people want closure. I know I have wanted it in many of my relationships. I will say one way to transform this, to transform that poison of the needing of closure to the good medicine of moving forward is to focus on ourselves and the future and how can we learn from this relationship or what did that relationship make me realize that I want in my future relationships or what did it make me want for myself? So that's how I try to shift my thinking at the end of a relationship. For myself, I I guess sort of the mental route I decided to go down was while I may not have closure... I still have my fond memories and 
despite the fact that I don't have closure, it was still an important part, an uh, important and, you know, happy part of my life. Absolutely. So there are some occasions we've talked about reconnecting with partners, having friendships with ex-partners. What about making up with ex-partners? This happens for both polyamorous and monogamous people alike. It reminds me of phrases like, you know, giving people second chances. But also it reminds me of phrases like it's called a breakup because it's broken. You know, <laughs> these cliche phrases. Um, making up can happen shortly after the breakup or it can happen a while after. Again, it can happen years after. So, Em, I'm curious, and I think I know the answer because you've already talked about it in this episode, but have you been able to to make up with partners after the breakup? Yes. Yeah, I've been able to make up with ex-partners and to varying degrees have friendships or other forms of relationships at times. Have you ever essentially restarted a relationship after a breakup? No. No, I have not f- started a full-on relationship um, with someone that I've broken up with. Okay. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it's just like, again, it goes back to that cliche line of like, it's called a breakup because it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> but have you? I guess no, because you said that you don't normally have close friendships with people after. Uh, no, I've never, I've never made up with a person. I think the closest I've gotten to making up is my partner that I dated in college. I eventually managed to reconnect to them, but it's still very distant and mostly just occasional chats and wishing each other happy holidays and stuff like that. Uh, but I've never had sort of a... Um, you never reignited a relationship. I, yeah, I've never really reignited a relationship where it's never been, uh, oh, we've transform we've managed to transform this into something else or restarted what we had i've never been able to do that it can be quite difficult again because that relationship probably ended for good reasons um and while we do change over time there are some relationships that the breakup was because of you know who you are deep down that you're not compatible and so it doesn't matter if you have changed in some ways over the years, if you are not compatible at your core, then it's possible that you're not going to be compatible five or 10 years from now. If you are thinking about making up with your ex-partner, though, you should probably communicate it to your current partners. Communicating is important, and I think especially with this, um, you should be able to answer the question if you're making up just as friends or if you're actually making up with them in the hopes to have a relationship again. And speaking from experience, partners might be salty and or wary and or concerned about you getting back together with a partner who has hurt you and broken your heart. Yeah, I think I think I have been that partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll tell this little anecdotal story that some years ago I met this wonderful person at a kink event. We hit it off right away. We had really intense NRE. We started dating and then he ghosted me for a long time out of the blue. And then the next year he gave me at the same kink event. It was the next year. And he gave me a letter saying I was stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. 
basically, can we please start over? And I had this opportunity to to do it, and I said I would be happy to restart a friendship and a play partnership, but not a relationship. So this kind of gets into the next topic a little bit, but we had really great makeup kink, which is like makeup sex, but better for me, because I don't... Because you're ace. Because I don't do... Yeah, I don't do a lot of the sex things. Some ace folks really love sex, but... For me, it's like, meh, compared to the kink. So, yeah, so we had, like, really great makeup kink. And then I was like, okay, this is going to go better this time. And I was hoping to reestablish an actual relationship. But I will say, we were, I made it clear to him that we were not restarting the relationship off the bat. Yeah. And, you know, it, it ended with him ghosting me again. So... <sighs> I guess, you know, again, there was a reason that it happened in the first place and then it kind of happened again and it it hurt less the second time. Yeah, I remember this. And I remember being being worried for you and concerned about what would happen next. So it is it is important to communicate this to your partners and they might have some concerns. But I also... I think it's important to note that that your concern is not my concern. I did not try to use my concern as a way to stop you from trying to reestablish this relationship. Right. I was just like, I think I, I think if I remember correctly, I expressed my concern and then I just sort of braced myself to see what would happen next. Yeah. And I definitely think like, you know, you and X as well knew about the situation and both of you respected my decisions and supported me, even though both of you were concerned and worried for me. And, you know, it's it's up to you to make the best decision for yourself and your relationships. So, yeah, but there definitely is, let me tell you, there's an appeal to makeup sex slash makeup kink. Like, generally, <laughs> makeup sex is in the context of, like, after an argument or a fight. Or I've heard of people also doing this like kind of in the middle of a fight, but then is it makeup sex if you're in still in the middle of a fight, G? I mean, I feel like that's called hate sex, but I've never really done makeup sex or hate sex, so I don't know exactly how to define these terms. Yeah, so I guess normally I've heard about it in the context of like in an after an argument or a fight, and it can also be that you are doing it, you know, you're making up after getting back together with a partner who left you or who you left and I think it's because it makes us feel desired again it's like it makes us feel like the love has lasted or that it's being rekindled which is super exciting it it adds that novel and newness to it even though you've already been with that person uh yeah I also feel like there there might be sort of a cultural part to this of a lot of messages we get in movies and books is you know love will find a way And so when that seems to be happening in your life, I imagine that feels really good. Yes. And I know that for the whole um, makeup sex during arguments or after arguments or a fight is that it's also the contrast between like that emotional threat and then the emotional closeness tends to be very exciting. I also found this uh, quote, but you know what? I I actually looked at the article and I will say I'm very skeptical, but there was this... (laughs) One thing I found that said, a study found that makeup sex is better than regular sex on average, but that this only holds true if both partners have already psychologically made up with each other. I'm 
I feel like this is like some sort of study like funded by GQ or something. It was done at his and at his at an Israeli university. Okay. And I actually read it and I'm not going to recommend it cuz it's just didn't this quote was from an article that was quoting it and then I'm like I read the article and then I was like that's not really the conclusion that the authors came to. So I think <laughs> they kind of skewed this, which often happens. <laughs> Like, they sensationalize science, right? Yes. So anyways, I think that this I mean, is kind of I like... I think I've... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, G, what were you going to say? I, I think I can remember, like, at least four different times in my life, a huge headline saying, Scientists discover life on Mars. And usually it refers to, like, Oh, yeah, we think we may have found, like, microbe fossils. Right. But, you know, uh, journalists are trying to, you know, sell newspapers or clicks. So, you know, they they want the sensational headline. Yes. Uh, So (laughs) I don't really believe this conclusion that this article had about makeup sex. But anyways, that's all for our very interesting episode. And honestly, it was pretty heavy. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a heavy topic. Nobody... I I will I won't I won't say nobody, but most people don't like to to think about this. Though I do think it is important part of relationships as like knowing when to redefine it, knowing when is a good time to to break up and I think these are all important skills, but it's also people just don't want to think about it. Like they want to live in the moment and not think about the possibility of this relationship ending. Yes, for sure. On that note, our lovely, now you folks are the lovely ones, our KNPAF. With that, we will end this episode. One one might say that we are breaking up this episode. <laughs> uh, I think that's, you know what? No, I'm breaking up with these show notes, Okay. You're breaking up with the show notes? I yeah, thought they were your master. Yeah, they were my master. That it's it's history now. <laughs> okay. So, G, would you like to do our first call to action? Uh, yes. So, if you would like to uh, support this podcast and you know hear other really lovely light topics such as the ones we covered today, you can support us by donating at the link at the bottom of the show notes. You can also share this podcast with your current partners, your ex-partners, and potential new partners. Just share it with everyone. Share the love. (laughs) And on that note, this is G. This is M. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KNP Podcast. You can find us at knppodcast.tumblr.com, or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. Alright, let me bring up the show notes on my phone. But I will not be a slave to the show notes. Just gonna have them. For if I need them. I'm kind of a slave to the show notes. 
Maybe that's my kink. That's your kink? Yeah, these show notes own me. <laughs> they own you? They own me. The show notes that you write and that I write yes. own you. That's right. These show notes that we write, they have declared me their property. Now, let me uh, mute my computer so we don't have any random beeps. And... All right. Uh... Well, are you are you ready to proceed? Uh, are are the show notes going to allow you to proceed with the recording of the episode? <laughs> yes, the show notes have deemed that we are ready to proceed.